Dear listener, I wanted to say sorry for quality of the sound in this episode. It looks like I had some problem with internet connection, and as a result, we had some flakiness in the sound. We've tried different ways to improve it, mostly it's done by Hannes, thank you man. And yeah, the content is worse to share in our opinion, so sorry for the quality and thank you for listening. Hello there listener, hope you are Android developer. My name is Hannes Dörflin and you're listening to The Context, episode number 6. Wait, wait, wait. I'm Hannes. Or am I Artem Sinatolin? Hmm. You were supposed to say that you're Artem Sinatolin. Okay, so today we have Hannes Dorfman and our guest is Fernando Cezas from SoundCloud. So, hi, Fernando. Hey, guys. Hello. Thanks for, for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Yeah, great to meet you here. So let me shortly introduce Fernando to you. So basically, I met him on a recent conference in Belarus called Mobile Optimized, where he was giving a talk about philosophy and culture of a good programmer. And, well, it was really great talk. At the beginning, I saw that it was really non-techy for such conference, but at the end, it was just perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, basically, yeah, um, yes, you, as you pointed out, it was like the idea was to like get out a little bit of, uh, you know, the technical details, especially since it was the first um, talk and, you know, I wanted to like share experiences and in terms of, you know, how an engineer or a developer should behave and yeah, it was quite funny and I really enjoyed that and it was a pleasure to get to know you there. Yeah, we, we were talking for like hours after his talk and it was brilliant. I mean, the experience Fernando has is really exciting. Like you were working in as a co-founder of startup in Valley and then you get you had to leave and go home and, and all those stories. That's oh, great. yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that that's that's, you know, lesson learned and you know, the fact that uh, you fail and, and you learn a lot out of that. I think, you know, you mostly learned out of failures rather than success. And and that's pretty important. And to be honest, you know, uh, I was a couple of times uh, broke after uh, those startup attempts. And, <laughs> but it was super funny, man. It was super funny. And, and, you know, you gain a lot of experience. And But yeah. Uh, it's worth it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely encourage, you know, to anyone to try uh, something like that. You know, in, there is a big chance, you know, for the startups to just, you know, not succeed and to fail, basically. But, uh, but you know, the knowledge you acquire, uh, it's, it's amazing. And you have a lot of fun, of course. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. And, and the story from your talk I remembered is that basically you said like on your first or second week at soundcloud you were or, or your first time as a release captain at soundcloud yeah. which we will going to discuss later but basically you said that um yeah. you forgot to change api 
API yeah. endpoint and release the build which was targeting your staging environment. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like hundreds of millions of users were hitting wrong endpoints. Which were <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, like long long story short, it was like a funny thing because you know um, I stressed out a little bit because um, you know I forgot as as you said I forgot to change the endpoint and we were pointing to our beta version of our um, not our beta actually it's our development version of the API uh, which consisted of two servers. <laughs> so at some point, it, you know, it, that's for internal development. Uh, but, you know, uh, basically I got help from from other teams and, you know, we could solve the problem right away. Fortunately. Yeah, and, and the thing is that in your talk, you said that the the guys in the team were so friendly that they never blamed you for that. Like it's our um, like collective problem. Right, and I, yeah, yeah. we are actually yeah. applying this technique now in, in our team. Like, you know, every problem we are treating like uh, it's not your personal problem. It's our problem as a team and we're solving it instead of blaming everybody and so on. So it works great. Thank you a lot. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think that a finger pointing is, is a bad thing. Yes. Um, you know, usually you don't gain anything out of that, right? Like whenever you have a problem, it's just like the first thing that you must do is to solve the problem, to just like address it. And then maybe, you know, afterwards you might think about why or what are the reasons why that happened. And maybe afterwards do a retrospective, you know, to learn out of that and to avoid it in the future again. But in the end, you know, finger pointing is like, it brings a lot of, uh, I don't know, problems, I would say. and. And it's not, you know, uh, it doesn't make your team healthy, you know. So I think that's that's a very valuable thing. And we should definitely, like, um, you know, use it all the time. I mean, no one is guilty of anything. We are all in the same boat. And and that's something, you know, um, I will take advantage of this podcast to give, like, a big shout out. Shout, shout out to all my team because I am a very small part of it. And they're always... They are every day to make uh, my life easier every every single day. So, yeah, that's super nice that, you know, if everyone could uh, just like, you know, be, be, be as a team, work as a team. Yeah, that's the most important part. True, true. Nice words. Um, yeah. And Fernando, there are, I think from you, some sounds like a chair or something. They will oh. be really hard to cut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, probably it's my chair, so I would change it. Uh, there, okay. there we go. You okay. changed it so fast? Yeah, because okay. I have another one <laughs> right, <laughs> right next to me. Okay. <laughs> you know, we only have to have you know backups, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's our problem. It's not your problem. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but now no finger pointing. <laughs> <laughs> no finger pointing. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> So uh, let's yeah. let's go and dive into our main topic today, which is continuous integration and continuous deployment. So Fernando, can you please answer how is your development process organized at SoundCloud, 
and what role do CI and CD play in it? And what what is CI and CD in, in your opinion and the opinion of guys of your team? Yeah, uh, well, sounds good. Sounds good. Then, um, yeah, basically, like uh, you know, continuous integration is no more than a development practice. Uh, you know, consists of testing, and it changed that you that you do in your code base, in your repository, automatically, because mm-hmm. there's a, a continuous integration server that does that for you. And, and the idea behind it is to detect uh, errors or issues as soon as possible. That's a, like, for me, the simple, simplest way to, to tell people what continuous integration is. And on the other hand, when you, when you have like a continuous integration pipeline, then, uh, of course, it's very important to continue that process with, um, with, which is called continuous deployment, which is what is next, what is the next step. And, um, and basically, when you have test your, your app automatically with the continuous integration server, uh, you might push those changes to like a staging or production environment. So you always have, um, like a version, the latest version of the app, you know, up and running somewhere. Uh, in our case at SoundCloud, um, we do this every day. So we have what we call our alpha version, which is open to um, every uh, SoundClouder, let's say. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's available for testing new features and, and so forth. So every yeah. build goes there, every merged PR? Yeah, not, not a, yes, exactly. So mm-hmm. basically, we we have master, and um, and you know uh, when we are developing a new feature, uh, of course we create a, a separated uh, branch. So uh, we try to pair as much as we can, and so basically when we create a, a new branch, we we might work on certain functionalities there. And then we merge, uh, once we merge and we get two thumbs up um, after reviewing our PR, we merge that into master. And a master is going to be deployed to, to basically we're using Fabric to distribute our internal builds. And, you know, Fabric's going to grab that uh, build uh, in such a way that it's going to be shared across our our alpha um, testers, let's say, which is a group that you know is part of the of the SoundCloud internally uh, at SoundCloud. So that's that's the way it goes. Um, and uh, another thing that that is worth mentioning is that you know as I pointed out, we try to pair as much as we can. So when we're developing a feature in a separate branch. Um, we only, if we are pairing, we only uh, need one thumb in order to merge that PR. Oh. Because, you know, pair, pair, pairing means that someone else is already reviewing your code, right? And, um, and oh, just, when, yes. Just, just a quick question. How, yeah. how often do you do pair programming or something like that? Because I found it really interesting, yeah. but actually I don't have a lot of practice in that. So I did it once or twice, but yeah, I don't know. How is it? Well, uh, yeah, basically, uh, there's a lot of benefits out of that. So um, back in time, we used to do it, I would say, like 
I don't know, 80% of the time we would pair with someone else, right. um, that, which is a lot. If you think about it, like most of the time you're with someone else working. Um, but now, yeah, I think it's a bit less because we reorganize our teams. And, but still, it's a pretty high number. I would say like 60% of the time or 70. Um, and, and yeah, and so, so it's super nice because, you know, we, we do like uh, 30 minute sessions. Um, so, uh, for example, I might start with a, with a feature. I start uh, writing code and then I will have, uh, you know, I will have uh, a 30 minute session. And then afterwards we're going to swap, you know, we're going to switch to the, to the, to my colleague and I will be reviewing code and, and it's super nice. And then we will have breaks in the middle. Uh, in my case, I usually use Pomodoro. So we measure, you know, over, over time and we try to be, uh, strict with it. And, um, and, and yeah, trust me that if you guys are not doing it, I, I really encourage you to do it because it's, it, it brings a lot of benefits. Like for example, um, you know, you learn a lot of, uh, things out of other people, the other guy that you're pairing with, you know, asking questions or raising some concerns or, or you know, when you're um, onboarding someone new to the team, it's a really nice practice because you can transfer all the knowledge. And yeah, that's, that's basically how we did it or how I, yeah, get started in pair programming or when, when I did pair programming. But yeah. Is it the case that you are trying to, to share your knowledge quickly with new or do you uh, pair program um, with more experienced developer or how, how does, does it is organized in, at SoundCloud? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, you know, in my experience, uh, you know, you might pair with people that are like faster than you, with other people that don't have uh, like the same knowledge, for instance, when you're onboarding someone new, and I think you have to adjust a little bit, and other people uh, must adjust too. Because you know, in my experience, um, uh, when I when I joined SoundCloud, you know, um, I, I feel very lucky that I have the opportunity to work with you know such smart people, and I remember myself like pairing, and and I was only seeing like code being written like so fast and I was not able to understand anything. And, and at some point you, you see like, you know, screens, you know, going back and forth, appearing, disappearing, things like being deployed. And I was like, oh my God, man, we need to adjust because I'm not as fast as you. So uh, sometimes people think that it, it might be intimidating or they are afraid of like, you know, being uh, or asking dumb questions. But I think, I think like in the end, you know, we should definitely raise our opinions and, and ask questions about it. I don't think it's an easy practice in the beginning, uh, Hannes. So you, you basically have to, uh, you know, practice as any other, uh, as a musical instrument in the end. Like, you know, you have to, um, and you, you know, address uh, certain problems, uh, different problems. Sometimes we, we for example, we changed uh, the structure um, of our teams, and and now there's two big teams. Uh, one is more related to, I don't know, discovery features, search, and so forth, and the other is more related to uh, playback. 
So basically, uh, the idea in order to transfer knowledge, we sometimes jump to other teams and we pair with someone else from the other team. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a, a, like a core team too. And, and sometimes people from, from these feature teams just like, you know, join a core team to work on more infrastructure stuff too. So it's really, it's really a, a nice practice and, and, and you get a lot of, um, a lot of knowledge on the, on the code base, basically. Yeah, I see. So basically, yeah. if I would do, uh, if I would work for SoundCloud and I would do pair programming <laughs> with you. Yeah. So we would work on a new feature. We would create a new branch, right? Yes. Um, then we would uh, submit a pull request. Yeah. And Together. then it will be reviewed by one other person. Yes. Uh, we, we basically have like the list of, PRs and um, we don't assign uh, anyone to the PRs. I mean, it's our responsibility, and and this is actually a lesson learned because you know sometimes uh, you have a lot of PRs being you know accumulated and then you're not able to review them and and you know that you know slows you down. So in the end, uh, the first thing that we do when we get to the office in the morning is to review PRs. Mm-hmm. And, and and basically, yeah, that's what we would do. We would just bear on that. If you're new, probably I will be uh, writing more code than you, just like you know, to to you know, probably probably <laughs> mainly because I will be like you know, transferring uh, uh, you know what the code is about. Uh, but in the end, um, that's that's the idea behind it. And then once it's it's review. Or when we put, actually, when we put the PR, there's certain checks, you know, uh, we do on it, like static analysis. Uh, but I think that, you know, we are going to get back to that. But to just wrap, wrap it up uh, regarding pair programming. And, and, and yes, and then you might jump to, to pair with uh, another uh, colleague or whatever. Because the idea is like when we onboard new people, we just want them to get familiar with certain parts of the code base. So you might be jumping around, which is pretty funny, I guess. And what exactly is then happening with my pull request regarding the CI, the continuous integration? Uh, You mentioned that there were some checks. So how how does a a pull request get in? What what is happening there on the CI? And what happens after the pull request will be merged? Could you you give us some... Yeah. yeah, could you give us uh, <laughs> some insights on your pipeline of? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, basically, when we create a new branch for for a PR, we we run a set of uh, checks. Uh, we are using GitHub, of, co- of course, and those checks are mainly uh, we run unit tests and some static analysis. Like, uh, for instance, we use tools like. Uh, Yakoko, Lint, and PMD. So for a PR, for a branch, that's what happened. Um, then uh, once those checks are, are okay and you get a green build and you got uh, the both thumbs or, or in this case one because we you pair with me, uh, <laughs> then, then we're going to merge the PR and then there's going to be uh, another set of checks. I mean, are there are the same checks as any branch, but we are going to add the um, acceptance test. We don't run acceptance test for every branch because it takes uh, some time. We have 
around uh, 500 or 400 acceptances. So you can imagine that uh, that takes like, I don't know, half an hour yeah. to run. Because That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And we have our, our own room with, uh, with around, I, I don't know, 30 or 40 devices and those run in parallel. So, um, so that's, that's, that's the reason why we don't want to run them, uh, in, in every single branch. And then if you, if you don't have a, a, a green bill, then you might check it out because he, you know, your commit was the last one. So basically that's what happens. And maybe you need to fix something, you know, like this brings up another topic, which is, uh, flakiness, you know, um, uh, especially with especially with acceptances and and yeah uh, we we used to have a lot of flakiness and we have been like working on that and and now it's, it's we have a very mature um, um, pipeline and and a very mature uh, test battery I would say yeah there is nothing worse than a flaky test y- yes yes they, exactly. they just you you starting not trusting them which is tough. yeah. Yeah, and then and many times you wonder like if it's really worth to have them there because you know the the only thing that they cause is like our problems, right? In the end, so you either fix it or just remove it, and and in the end we ended up like uh, removing a few of them because basically uh, sometimes you know when it comes to UI, there's a lot of race conditions, especially with frameworks with UI frameworks. Um, in our case, we we have our own our own uh, testing framework, uh, which is basically a decorator, a layer of, on on Robotion. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Yeah, it's it's pretty outdated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically, that's that's the main reason why uh, we created this layer, and uh, because uh, it's gonna be easy easier to migrate to another testing framework and. And we are considering actually to move to Espresso, but there were a few concerns around it, especially since we are relying on on animations and because of some, uh, you know, um, design decisions in in Espresso, you have to to disable all animations, especially with our music player and, and so forth. So we need we need that, and so we are we are still thinking about um, um, which framework we want to use. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. So and yeah, I think that's something else to add. And and yeah, of course, I mean that's the continuous integration part, of course. And and as I was, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, our continuous deployment. Then uh, that every single night we we generate a new APK. Um, so we distribute it across the company there and. And when it comes to releasing uh, to Google Play, uh, we basically, uh, our process is pretty straightforward and we use a release train model. Uh, are you guys uh, familiar with it? Uh, probably you're using it too, right? It will be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah, it took, it took us uh, some time to be strict with, uh, with the release train for all. The people that don't know what a release train is, it's, it's a pretty simple approach, and and it's about like 
releasing every certain amount of time. In our cases, uh, we ship a new version of the app every two weeks. And the reason why it's called release train is because the train is going to depart her every two weeks. And so whatever it's done by that time, just like jump on the train and, and, and it's been uh, shipped. So if there are features that are not uh, done and then, you know, uh, you will have, or the project manager, product managers will have to wait for for the next train. So um, there is a lot of actually uh, lessons learned out of that because, you know, usually it's, it's about this, yeah, man, can you, can you just delay the train? Because this <laughs> is like, I, yeah, <laughs> because this is uh, 90% done and and you know if we if we have one more day uh we can we can just ship it and no uh, and and that's that's actually the good thing about um using release trains because yeah you know when you're going to release and every everyone knows it we have a release train calendar on android and we are very strict with that and and we basically um use a feature uh black uh, approach so, you know, uh, when we freeze our code for the next release, um, th- then, you know, we decide which, which features uh, are in and which are not. So, yeah, I can give you more details if you want about, like, how we uh, release and how we, uh, we handle, you know, this release train thing, if you want. First of all, are feature flags static or dynamic? Like, they're coming from the backend or they're statically compiled into the code? Yes, uh, for now they are statically compiled uh, on the code, but we are, we are working on, on remote feature flags and we are uh, also developing a framework for, uh, a, a more mature framework, I would say, for A-B testing and experiments. So, uh, because we, use, we have that for web and on Android we were relying on, of course, on, on on compile time feature flags, and I think it's it's you know it's time to just jump on 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 remote feature flags and for instance be more dynamic and be able to to just turn them on and off you know whenever we we want because otherwise you know when when you have a hot fix or or something you have like a bit or a bug or something then uh, you have to regenerate a new APK you know. The reason is because of um, a feature that you enable, then there's not any other chance. And, you know, that takes a while. You know, you have to go through the entire pipeline again and, and, and yeah, and so forth. Yeah. Are, are you guys using um, remote feature flags or how, how is your, your approach regarding that, enabling and disabling new features? It depends on the company I work for, in my case. I mean, in some mm-hmm. companies we did use both static and dynamic. At the current company, we are planning to use them in Juno, mm-hmm. but um, we are actually, yeah, thinking about it because we are trying to to move to release train uh, methodology, which requires you to have feature flag because with release train you are yep. going to have features that are healthily done and you can't release with enabled features that yep. is not done. So yeah. 
We are going to start with compile flags, I guess. It's just easier. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, we have a we have a mix of both. Kind okay. Of. But we also are building an entirely new app where uh, we basically have a backend which doesn't provides us data feeds per se, mm -hmm. but it provides a kind of screens. So basically, the the backend can um, disable or enable an entire an entire screen. Oh, interesting. Oh. We, nice, uh, nice. we have this partially, like we, we can disable some parts of like sign up process or something through backend, but not, not the entire screen. This is very cool. So you're basically yeah. providing HTML and rendering the whole app in web view. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not really, <laughs> but kind of. <laughs> no, we, we get some, some JSON feeds, but I don't know, in the feeds there is I don't know, for instance, an array of screens which should be uh -huh. displayed in the main menu and so on, on, or there will be some kind of sub-screens, inner screen that could be displayed or could be turned off if they are not in the JSON array. It sounds very similar to what Spotify has. Hmm. Maybe I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, in in our in our side, we are. I think we are uh, pretty much prepared for uh, turning on and off. Uh, features remotely because the way we usually work with feature flags is that uh, the idea is that we are going to have uh, this default value, which is at compile time, of course. And, and then uh, we do it as, as a dependency injection level. Mm -hmm. So basically, we check our feature flag when Dagger is injecting our presenters and it's going to, you know, uh, inject one presenter of the other. So uh, so basically, yeah, we are hiding uh, the UI. Uh, I mean, we ship the code most of the time, so you guys can can do some reverse engineering on our app. Just don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's official official permission it, yeah. granted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. So uh, yeah, basically that's that's our idea, and and we are playing around Firebase too. Um, I think uh, the iOS guys. Uh, actually introduce uh, some new uh, framework uh, for turning on and off features remotely and they're using Firebase and it's working pretty pretty good for them. So yeah, probably uh, we are going to do the same thing. Yeah. Cool. Are you using Firebase remote config um, yes. system or the database? I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the remote config system. Yeah, we, I'm, I'm not, I don't have like a very deep knowledge on that, but I think they're using that. Um, nice. Yeah. So, so yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Can I ask more about UI tests? I, of course. Okay. Whatever you want. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, don't you find that running them after the merge is actually not great? Uh. Well. Um. Just like I. I think it's 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 a nice practice and. And I will give. You, I will tell you why. Because today uh, I screwed up master, and I, I merged a PR that uh, broke uh, master, and I was about to to go home Friday. You know, happy for the for the weekend, and at some point you receive an email saying, "All right, your PR uh, just broke. <laughs> just broke." Not um, your. It's not fingerprinting. No, 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 no fingerprinting. <laughs> Right, 
<laughs> it was the European PR program partner. partner. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Your PR. <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, I noticed that because we, uh, I got like 30 or 40 um, acceptances failing. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, because I, I was working on, on a refactor and you know yeah. what happens when you refactor. <laughs> but it was curious because um, um, all the unit tests were passing, but um, at some point uh, there was some some error, some inconsistency between the API and the client because of certain changes. And and you know because when when we are uh, running unit tests, uh, they are isolated, right? And and we we don't we don't write. Uh, Integration tests, so we relied on on both acceptance and unit tests. So basically, I knew that uh, that was broken, and basically, I reverted my 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 PR, and I I need to work on that next week. But at least I'm uh, I can take easy the weekend now, <laughs> not not with with red bill. Um, but yeah, so that's that's uh, that's the reason why I consider. You know, having all these checks, um, they're uh, they're very useful because then you get the feedback. Of course, with acceptances, uh, it, the feedback is not instant, uh, and you have to wait a little bit. But still, you know, the fact that you're executing every single feature in your app end to end, hitting the the API, uh, it's 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 super nice, super nice, and and of course. As I told you, I was not a strong believer of acceptance tests uh, back in the days because I was seeing a lot of flakiness, especially, you know, you can imagine uh, things like network calls, uh, race conditions. Sometimes uh, when you're running a test in parallel and, and especially with users, you know, since you're testing certain functionalities, you make assumptions that this user is going to have, like, I don't know, a certain amount of tracks in order to, to test, you know, a certain a scenario and things like that. And, and it's very complicated to, 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 you know, to get rid of that flakiness because of all those conditions. And, and in the end, we decided to, to just like to have what we call a sheriff. So we have an acceptance test sheriff <laughs> in every release. And so basically, uh, the main uh, responsibility of that sheriff is to to look into the acceptance test. When there is some flakiness, um, we try to do it gradually, and in every release we try to improve a little bit better. So it's basically the Boy Scout rule, and and that's the main the the, the main concept of, of a sheriff for us. Uh, we also have like release captains. So we have captains, we have sheriffs, and. <laughs> And probably we need to introduce something, <laughs> someone else. Uh, to <laughs> as a sheriff, I'm stopping the release train. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's 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 the responsibility of the of the release captain, actually. Um, and and yeah, so so to just to to wrap it up and answer your question, I think I think it's 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 a very very valuable uh, thing, but. Why you're asking that question? You you had a bad experience, or or when would you run them? So or yeah, I, um, you know, I, 
I personally, for some reason, I really like to set up such things as continuous integration and, you know, maintain them and so on. I mean, not just uh, writing code or something. And yeah. um, the problem here is that when you merge something, and if you run some check only after merge, you're going to have problems like, you know, uh, two PRs were merged uh, in the time uh, period when this check for the first merged PR haven't finished yet and so on. So the checker may pick a result of merge of multiple PRs. And it will be much harder to find out the reason why something failed if it was a combination of problems. So yeah. at the moment, I'm trying to, not, not trying, we actually doing it. We are running all the checks for PR. And, mm -hmm. uh, and another thing is that we are building merge result of PR branch to target branch. So whenever target branch updates somehow, like, you know, you merge it some PR, all other PRs will be rebuilt. Yes, it mm. takes time. It, so I'm trying to optimize uh, the build time. So yeah. it won't be bad to, to use this approach. And I'm trying to make, you know, whole CI more scalable. So if we will need more, um, like, machines to, to build it, we can, you know, rely on AWS or something like this to to scale dynamically yeah, yeah. and i mean um we I, we've experienced all different cases <laughs> after merge <laughs> how how to you know fail the the merged branch <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we we basically hit all corner cases and i even wrote a small tiny app which listens to um Bitbucket, we, we are using Bitbucket server, unfortunately. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a fan of GitHub, but yeah. Yeah. So I, I've, I've wrote a basically hook receiver app, which mm -hmm. uh, receives a merge event, and it automatically invalidates all build statuses of all PRs that targets same branch that was PR merged in. So mm -hmm. there are almost zero chances that you will hit merge on, you know, do two PRs simultaneously on something like this. Yeah. So we are trying to avoid this. And we are also running our UI tests for each PR. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just just to not go on weekends with failed <laughs> master branches. Yeah. No, but you, but you raised a, a very interesting point here. I think we suffer from the same thing in the past. Uh, we have a couple of servers uh, to perform all these kind of tasks, mm -hmm. actually. And we basically what we're doing when you're when we merge a PR to master, we just enqueue a new job that is gonna like execute. Uh, it's gonna build, you know, master with that new PR introduced, and 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 if there's another PI PR coming in, then it's gonna enqueue that job. So we get feedback for that for every single particular uh, PR. And then once those checks, uh, when the merge, um, you know, was successfully, success, success, uh, yeah, <laughs> was nice. Okay. <laughs> <it's> like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So once we get a green, then uh, basically we're going to update all 
the the other um, the other PRs uh, in case there there are some some uh, conflicts or something because you know if you're merging a PR and that that you know brings a lot of conflicts with the rest of working branches we're gonna uh, let those people know that you know the the branches that they're working on has some conflicts and they need to rebase with master mm -hmm. and and uh, but but again it's like uh, we have um, a, an, an engineering team dedicated to to that, not to write tests, but but to maintain the our infrastructure, to maintain our CI pipeline, which is like a, a plus one, right? It's it's an advantage because uh, most of the time we don't have to 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 care about you know uh, our CI. Um, they 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 help a lot with that, but we are respons responsible for uh, writing tests. Uh, we write all the tests, even uh, acceptance tests, uh, when we start a new feature. Um, we, 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 we must write an end-to-end -end test and, and then it's, it's, um, it's something that, uh, part of, part of our code quality. It's just like, we, we must do it. Of course, I mean, a, a code without test. I mean, I wouldn't touch any code nowadays without test. I mean, I would be completely afraid of refactoring anything that, uh, that has no test because I don't know whether I'm breaking something, you know? And, uh, yeah, of course you run across like, you know, this kind of code base and, and then you have to start writing tests from scratch, but, but yeah, uh, we, we have a very mature, um, continuous integration pipeline, for instance, and our, our code base, I have to say that it's, um, it's very healthy now. Of course we suffer from the same thing. I, I guess, I think all of us, you know, have. Uh, legacy code and we are constantly no. uh, dealing with it right um, because you know uh, there's always new requirements and and our code base become bigger and then we need to refactor that in order to to make adding new functionalities easier um, and so forth right yeah unfortunately yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think like legacy code, you know, there's like this statement about, about like, I'm writing today, I'm writing tomorrow's legacy code, right? And, and today I'm writing yeah. today's legacy code. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> yes, I was, I was actually being uh, just a curious uh, thing. I was actually being by someone because I introduced a new class and I just name it legacy something. <laughs> so I introduce a new class. Which was completely legacy <laughs> because I needed to encapsulate some legacy code and, and <laughs> okay. something that all right you're you're actually writing legacy code <laughs> that's explicit there uh, but yeah funny great so I guess this is a good point to stop the recording right now and continue with a second part about continuous integration and continuous deployment next time with Fernando again stay tuned. <laughs>